morning. What a great song service. Thank you for leading us. I'm glad you came back this week. Honestly, I <laughs> I left I left last week. And I was just all all day. I was just dragging. Like man, that was a that was a tough message. And uh, but hey, we came back for more. And, and be honest, this is going to be a whole lot more encouraging today. Okay, uh, and, and I've been thinking a lot about this book of Revelation as we'll be getting into it again in just a moment. But it is it, it, as as we go, I think there is a God intended. Uh, part of this literature, there is a buildup, and it just it just like keeps going and going and going and going until finally uh, there is the release of the second coming and the uh, and the millennial kingdom and eternity. And I can't wait to get there. Okay, we got a few chapters to go, and uh, we're going to take this right up really uh, through April, I think, and early May. I think we'll be we'll be shifting gears and going to a new book. But uh, I know last week was not exactly the most encouraging uh, message you've probably ever heard in your life. Somebody told me one time that uh, oatmeal is not why a fat boy gets out of bed, but it'll work. Amen. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes you just need uh, something plain and just, just a sharp sickle, as we learned last week. But thank you for being in your place, and I'm excited about what God's been doing and excited to share this message with you. Before we open up and read today, I want to offer a word of prayer uh, for you. We're going to pray specifically for Patty Landris this morning. She's back uh, in intensive care, sick uh, today. Let's pray for her. She's a, a relatively new member of our church, and she's sick today. Let's pray for her. And she's uh, in a tough situation, and you can bow before the Lord and ask the Lord to speak to your heart as well. And then uh, when I get done praying, uh, we'll stand and read our chapter today, if you would. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and we're thankful and grateful for the opportunity to be here in this place, this house of worship, to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to exalt him, the only worthy one. This whole book that we're studying is about how worthy he is to open up these seals, execute judgment upon this earth because he is the creator and the sovereign ruler and savior of it all. Lord, we look to you today and we want to lift your name up as we're here in song and now in word. I pray that we will leave having a better glimpse on Jesus than we did when we came. Lord, I pray for Patty today as she is suffering in the hospital. Lord, would you please minister to her? Uh, Lord, I know she's had a long road here, and I pray that you'll tend to her as only you can. Lord, you are, in fact, the great physician. You take care of our needs. I pray for others in the church today that are discouraged and hurting and broken over life and challenges and difficulties and relationships. Lord, would you, would you set our heart and tune our heart to sing your praise, even in the valley. And Lord, help us now as we open up your word to be attentive and to be responsive to the truth of the scriptures. For these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand if you would. We're reading Revelation chapter 15 today as we've continued to read the book of Revelation out loud together. <clears throat> We're going to begin in verse number 1 of chapter 15. And we'll read down just through verse 8 today, as that is all the verses here in this chapter. Ready? Begin. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. 
And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having har the harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgment has been manifested. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Amen. This is God's word to us this morning. You may be seated. I want to label the message this morning, Give God the Glory. Give God the Glory. Last night, Wake Forest beat Duke in an upset college basketball. And as often happens in those upsets, uh, the team that upset the fans stormed the court. This has become quite a point of controversy because last night as the Wake Forest fans stormed the court, uh, one of the All-American players for Duke was trampled and had to be carried off of the basketball court. Of course, the coach uh, of Duke is calling, as they have many times before, for there to be a complete stopping of this storming the court or in football, storming the field. And Tennessee, when they beat Alabama last year in football, they tore the goalposts down from the stadium and carried them out of the stadium and threw them in the river. I'm not exactly sure what they were trying to accomplish there when they did that, but that is what they did. And obviously there is something dangerous about people running past players, knocking people down, trampling over others. But at the same time, I kind of wonder, ultimately, how are they going to stop this explosion and outburst of joy and celebration from these fans who are so amped up during a game to finally see something like this happen? I'm not sure if they're actually going to be able to stop it. And I think uh, even the universities are willing to pay the fines that are accompanied by this action. Why? Well, honestly, because... This is a natural reaction of celebration from something spectacular that has just happened. And I think that's exactly what you see in our passage of Scripture today. You see, during this interlude, remember, we are right now in between the, 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 the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the final bowl judgments. And this has been going on all the way since chapter number 6. So we are in this very lengthy portion of Scriptures, and and the seal judgments take place over a couple chapters. Then the trumpet judgments take place over several chapters. And then in chapter 12, verse 1, we now begin to see these signs. 
And, 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 and John is now stepping back outside of the judgments of the tribulation and he's kind of given us a panoramic view of everything that is going to happen. He starts back with the woman, that being Israel and, and her seed, the Lord Jesus, and how the dragon, the devil, has tried to destroy the seed from day one. And it carries us all the way through the, uh, the Antichrist and the false prophet. And then we, we saw last week how that uh, he, he captures the vision all the way through uh, to the battle of Armageddon and the judgment that's going to take place there. And before he actually gets into the, 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 the vile judgments, which are, in, which are in chapter 16, then the fall of Babylon and the destruction of uh, the, the, the great prostitute of Revelation... And before Jesus comes again, he's going to give us a little bit of a glimpse into what we're going to see in chapter 19, 20, 21 and following. And that is this. Yes, there's going to be a lot of destruction. And yes, there's going to be a lot of chaos depending on which side of the fence you're on. But for those of us that know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, there's another side of this judgment, a side that you and I are safe from the judgment because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And what that does is it shows for us there is a literal explosion of praise and worship that, 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 that is a sign in heaven, a demonstration in heaven of what God has spared those folks from. Notice verse number one, I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. So we know as we open up this chapter, we're still in that, that season in this book of the signs, of the demonstration, of the, the overview, if you will, of what has actually taken place. But in this scene, we're no longer looking on earth. John is now looking up into heaven. Separated from the judgment on earth is a group of people that have been spared this judgment. They have been delivered from this judgment. They are victorious over this judgment. And now they are standing around the temple in the sea of glass mingled with fire, and they are literally standing before God singing what the Bible says here is the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. Now, I got to tell you, just right there tells you what an experience this is. For almost every time in the Bible you see a song erupt from a group of people, it is almost every time a result of something major that happened, particularly in this case. What is the song of Moses? Well, it's in Exodus chapter 15, which takes place after Exodus chapter 14. In Exodus chapter 14, we see the, the Passover, and we see the crossing of the Red Sea. And when Israel sees their enemies destroyed in the Red Sea and is seen that God has brought them over safely, what happens? They break out into a song. It's called the Song of Moses. And in similar fashion now, the people of God have been spared from judgment ultimately one day. And what is the natural response? The natural response is to give God all the glory. Because he has in fact rescued us. And ultimately one day he will rescue us from ever. Can I, forever. Can I say this to you today? God really does deserve all the glory, doesn't he? Should he not be exalted and magnified in our lives, in our worship? How many of you would agree with me today? He is the fountain of every blessing. 
He is the giver of every good and perfect gift. He is the orchestrator of all human history. He is the orchestrator of your individual story. He is our savior. He is our redeemer. He is our rescuer. And all we should be able to do is step back and give him all the glory for all that he has done for us. And that is what this text reveals for us. We're going to learn from Revelation chapter 15 today three reasons why we should give God the glory as we look at this panoramic view of the final judgment. Number one, I want you to see we give God the glory because his reputation is settled. His reputation is settled. Now something takes place here in this verses one through three in particular where God is going to explain to us, he's going to tie together the song of Moses, and the song of the people in heaven. And he's basically demonstrating to us that the same God that delivered Moses is the same God that delivered us. And the song of Moses, in some ways, is very similar to the song of this story in Revelation. Now, it's interesting. There are no exact parallels to the two songs, but the themes are very much the same. And when I say his reputation is settled, what I'm saying to you is this. God always has, is, and always will deliver his people. God always has, is, and always will give victory to his people. Now, folks, if you are a Christian today, I'm telling you, God has a solid and settled reputation of delivering his people from evil. Notice what it says here in verse uh, number 1. It says, he saw this vision of seven angels having the seven plagues, for in them are the wrath of God complete. Now, we're going to learn about that next week. That's in chapter 16. These are called the seven uh, uh, bold judgments or the seven vile judgments. He's saying this is getting ready to happen. The angels are being handed these bowls of judgment. They're going to be poured out on the earth in chapter 16. But while they are preparing for this judgment, the Bible says in verse number 2, that I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God, and they sing the song of Moses, servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, and they start to sing. So what we're seeing here is we're seeing that, that God has delivered this specific group of people from the judgment that is to come in Revelation chapter 16. And that is what God has done for every single person who is a born-again child of God. One thing I can say to you today is this. He has provided deliverance from your sin and from his judgment for your life forever. How many of you are glad today to know that you have a relationship with God that you could never earn on your own? That you have constant access that you could never buy to a throne to be able to talk to God at any time in any place. How many of you know that as a Christian, God gave you purpose in your life that you could never purchase? He gave you precious promises in his word that no amount of money could ever acquire. He gave you a book to read that surpasses all silver and gold. He provides wisdom that exceeds diamonds and rubies, a personal guide in the Holy Spirit who leads our steps and turns everything together for our good. He provides internally a peace that transcends understanding and a love that surpasses 
surpasses knowledge. And when it's all said and done, he has given us an eternal home described as a mansion laid up in heaven, occupying real estate in heaven, whose builder and maker is God with streets of gold, translucent buildings, open gates, a crystal river, and an angelic neighborhood. That is what God, in part, has done for you in the person of Jesus Christ. Friend, look, when you got saved, you got the best end of the deal. You say, what deal? Every deal. Every deal. What I'm saying to you today is that it is a good thing to be saved and know that you have been delivered from your sins. But also, in verse 2 specifically, he's going to talk about how that he provides victory for his people. Now, notice here in verse number 2, middle of the verse, it says, And those who have the victory over the beast... I love that. Victory over. I've talked to people in our church and other places who have at one time been uh, addicted to drugs or alcohol. You'll hear this phrase often, victory over. I got the victory over. I heard of somebody recently that's celebrating nine years this weekend of being clean and sober. They've, They've in some measure found the victory, right? The victory over that particular Substance. I love that phrase, the victory over. And specifically here, he's talking about victory that has been won over the beast. Now, we talked about him back in chapter 13. And the beast is the Antichrist, and the beast deceives, and he, and, and he causes people to take that number in their hands or in their forehead. It causes them to take that number 666 to identify with him. But here these people are. These particular people did not succumb to the Antichrist. These people saw victory over the Antichrist. And I'm here to tell you today that the story of true believers is a story of victory. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 57. Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God, who always causes us to triumph. Can I say this to you today? The greatest testimony for Jesus this world will ever see is someone who is experiencing victory over sin in their life. Someone who's winning. Someone who's overcoming. Someone who is infused with the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish victory in their life. And I got to tell you, this is exactly what Revelation 2 and 3 said would be the challenge to the churches. Remember, you go back to Revelation 2 and 3, seven different times to seven different churches. It says this, to him that overcomes, to him that overcomes. The challenge to the church was was that you should hang in there and win the victory provided to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the old gospel song, God leads his dear children along. It says this in the chorus, some through the water, some through the flood, Some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Whether it's through fire, whether it's through, uh, whether it's through calm water, I'm here to tell you, at the end of the day, we will all say, I got here because God is the one that brought me here at the end of the day. So number one, we see his reputation is settled because he delivers and provides victory for his people. Number two, I want you to see his reign is supreme. His reign is supreme. Now, in this song, which begins in verse number three, we ask this question, who is it that is celebrating? Of course, we've learned it is those who have overcome 
the, the Antichrist in the tribulation period. How are they celebrating? Well, they're singing a natural response to what God has done for us. And then we ask this question, what are they celebrating? And as you read down in verses 3 through 4, you're seeing really a testimony of praise to a God who rules and reigns over everything and a God who has brought them through the most difficult of all circumstances. So let me explain to you why I believe one of the themes of the book of Revelation is the sovereignty of God. And I know there have been a lot of people that get really confused about sovereignty and what sovereignty actually means. And I know I've said this to you before, but I don't want you to forget it. In the middle of the word sovereign is another word, reign. If you want to know what sovereignty means, it's very simple. It means this, Jesus reigns. He reigns over all things. He reigns over all peoples. He reigns over all nations. He reigns over all times and in all ways. And these people are simply acknowledging the fact that Jesus Christ is the ruler and the reigner of the universe and we should celebrate that today. We should celebrate the fact that God's sovereignty is absolutely supreme. His sovereignty is, first of all, limitless in scope. Notice this, it says this in verse number uh, three. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, which literally means ruler of all. Skip down to verse four. At the end of the verse, it says this. For all nations shall come and, and worship before you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and 11 famously chimes in on this note. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Notice, every tongue, every knee, every nation, every planet, every continent, every country, every language, every kindred, every tribe, and every place. What am I saying? I'm saying God's reign is limitless in scope. He's not just the God of America. He's not just the God of Southern America. He's the God of every kindred, tribe, nation, and people. Number two, it is limitless in history. As I've mentioned before, the Song of Moses and the Song of Lamb the Lamb, Moses was song, uh, sung at the Red Sea while the, the Song of the Lamb was sung at the Crystal Sea. The Song of Moses was a song in triumph over Egypt. The Song of the Lamb is a song of triumph over Babylon. The Song of Moses told how God brought his people out. The Song of the Lamb tells us how God brings his people in. The Song of Moses commemorated the execution of the foe while the Song of the Saints uh, uh, talks about the exaltation of the Lord. Now, folks, here's what the bottom line is. Jesus Christ reigns throughout history and throughout the universe. So he is, in the truest sense of the word, the Alpha and the Omega. That is, the beginning and the end. The Alpha is the first letter of the alphabet. In the language it was written, Omega is the last letter. So it's saying there, he's the starter and he's the finisher. That's why Hebrews says he's the author and finisher. He's the creator and the redeemer. And ultimately, in the book of Revelation, guess what? God is going to bring all things to its final and ultimate conclusion. Why? Because he rules over the scope of history. And finally... It is limitless in its effect. In its effect, what is its effect? Its effect is 
that it rescued these people ultimately and ultimately these people who had suffered and labored and gone through so much are now on the victory. Let me, let me, let me encourage you about something. There is no greater win that anyone could ever have than to be on Team Jesus at the end of time. Okay, hey, Folks, listen, we're just coming through football season, and i got to tell you, could there be anything worse than football season being over? Yes. Lord have mercy. You go to ESPN.com, and they're talking about women's basketball. Like, I, I, look, I'm not, no disrespect to anybody, but look, when we just come out of the Super Bowl, and now we're kicking it over to you know, preseason Major League Baseball and women's basketball, it's like, Lord, help us, please. I mean, anything, anything but this. Like, I mean, I would rather watch spring weightlifting for football than any of that stuff, okay? I mean, this is just terrible. We just come out of a season, you know, there's all these talks about Heisman Trophy winners and MVPs, which, by the way, was Patrick Mahomes, in case you guys forgot. <laughs> we get into these, who's winning, or, 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 or maybe you uh, are in, you know, the military or, or, or providing awards like Medal of Honor and People are winning Pulitzer Prizes and all sorts of other awards. I got to tell you, people win in a lot of ways in this life, but nobody wins like a child of God at the end of time. When it is all said and done, he had a limitless effect on the individual lives of those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, I got to tell you, there's a lot of people in this room, you would never be a candidate for any kind of MV anything, okay? I mean, look, I was always that guy like, like I'm going to get picked last no matter what's going on in the world, you know. Pick up basketball. You know how people stand in line and they shoot for captains. They start picking people, right? Dude, I'm last every time. I'm going to lose. I'm not, I mean, look, I, I got a trophy. If I don't know that I ever had a trophy. The only thing profitable sports I ever did was one time I was in a, I was in a church league softball game and, 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 and I actually hit, hit, a, hit a hit that scored a run and won the game for the team. I'm talking about church league softball. I'm not talking about Major League Baseball here, people. I'm talking about, generally speaking, I am a loser, okay? And I don't know about you, generally speaking, I think that's kind of most of us, really, if you want to talk about it. We're just kind of ordinary, right? Kind of plain. Not a, probably a lot of gold medal winners in this room, but I got to tell you, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you got something better than an MVP, something better than a trophy, something better than winning the Heisman, something better than standing on the gold medal at the Olympics this year. You You've got Jesus, friend. That's the greatest thing you could ever have in your life. You win. Finally, we give God the glory because his righteousness is sure. Now, it's interesting. In verses 5 through 8, something new pops up. So there's, there's this song of praise, but then, but then in verse 5, let me just introduce it to you. It says, after these things, I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open and out of the temple, now watch this, very important, out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues. I think that's interesting. So God now has told us this scene. Here we are in heaven. Now he's getting ready to transition into the seven bold judgments coming. And basically they come out of the temple and they're handed to the angels. In chapter 16, we're going to see the angels execute these judgments. Okay, so but, but the connection I want you to make is this. They came out of the tabernacle of the testimony out of the temple. Y'all catch that? That's where the judgments come from. 
Now, most of you would pick up, any Bible students in here would pick up, that the testimony of the temple, the, the tabernacle, is what was in the Old Testament, a, a reference to the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, verse 15 of Exodus 32, listen to this. Then Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. That's the Ten Commandments. Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front, on the back. Notice they were called the testimony. Exodus chapter 16, verse 34. And, and the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron uh, laid it up before the testimony. The testimony here is the scriptures. It's the writings. Exodus 25, verse 16. And you shall put it into the ark of the testimony, which I will give you. So, so what, is, what is being spoken of here is these specific final judgments are coming out of the testimony of the ark in the tabernacle. Let me, let me try to bring this home to you. Folks, in the Old Testament, the ark of the covenant, which was inside the Holy of Holies, which was the place where God manifested his presence, inside that ark, where only one person could get to it one time a year, one priest could get in there. Inside that ark, Okay, they're, they're in, in the container of the ark. There was a copy of the Ten Commandments. There was the, 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 the um, Aaron's bud that had, or Aaron's rod that had budded and blossomed as a witness uh, of God executing judgment. And then there was a, a pot of manna as a consistent witness to God's provision. Now, folks, listen. The law of God is in the Ark of the Testament. So in other words, where is God's judgment coming from? It's coming from this. It's coming from his own witness through his word of who he is. And his own testimony of provision, okay, of those who follow him. And a witness of the judgment that he has executed and who was on his side from the, from the rod of Aaron that had bought it. Now the Bible here says this. The judgments, the final judgments come out of that. You say, what in the world does this have to do with me? Folks, listen. God is not unjust in how he will execute judgment. God's judgment will be executed on the basis of one thing and one thing only, and that is the word of God. Jesus said it himself. He said, the word that I speak to you, the same shall judge you in the last day. We're not there yet, but when we get to Revelation chapter 20, I will preach on the three books at the great white throne. When people stand before God at the great white throne, the Bible says, and the books were open and another book is open. That's three books, at least three. One of the books is the, is the, is the, the, the record of people's works. Okay? One book is the book of life, Amen. where your name is if you're a Christian. And the other book is the word of God. Folks, when it is all said and done, there is only one standard of judgment and only one standard of living. And it is the testimony that's in that ark. It is the word of God. Folks, I got to tell you that ultimately and finally, God has made it really fair for everybody. You want to know what God's expectation for you and your relationship with God is? It's right there in that book. You want to know what standards you're going to be held accountable to in judgment one day? It is in the book. And folks, there's only one book from God. It is the Word of God. It is the Bible. It is God's book. It is the book that lays out who He is, who we are, and what He expects us to be. And I'm simply telling you this, that that is the final and ultimate standard of all judgment when it's all said and done in eternity. So let me say this to you. The Word is very clear about so many things, but let me be very specific 
about one thing it is abundantly clear about. It is abundantly clear about who will be spared and who will be judged at the end of time. I want you to listen very carefully. There is a lot of confusion in a city like this about real Christianity and what is not Christianity. And I'm surprised at how many people will come to our church for weeks and weeks and weeks and sometimes even months before it registers with them what authentic faith actually is. Now people, look, I meet people all the time and you ask them, are you a Christian? They'll say something like this, I've always been a Christian. Folks, you have not always been a Christian. John 1.12 says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It's something that has to happen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. you got to believe before you're not going to perish. Romans 10 says, If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a promise from the word. And folks, I'm telling you, it, there, 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 there aren't multiple ways of heaven. This is not multiple choice. This is a true or false. It is either Jesus or it's not. If it's Jesus, it is true. If it's not, it is false. There are not many ways to heaven. There's one way to heaven. There are not many truths out there. There is one truth. There are not many ways. There are not many paths. There's one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen very carefully. If you want to get to, okay, Los Angeles from here, the best and clearest way is to jump on Interstate 10 on the west side of town and literally you can ride Interstate 10 the entire way and it'll dump you off at the Santa Monica Pier on the western coast of Los Angeles. Literally, I've driven it before. You can Here's the thing. You can drive I-10 all day long and you can get to California and then you can turn right back around and you can get right back to Florida. But you can drive Interstate 10 the rest of your life, and you're never going to get to New York City. Now, I know that analogy breaks down because there's more than one way to get to Los Angeles. There's more than one way to get to New York City. But my point, I think, stands. You can say, well, I'm being a pretty good person. I'm doing the best job I can. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. I'm, I'm going through this program. After all, I'm here at church. I mean, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get things in order. That's not God's path to heaven. God's path to heaven is you to turn from yourself, turn from your sin, turn from your religion, put your entire faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone as if you believed your life depended on it because it does. And trust in Jesus Christ alone. It is the only way of salvation. Here these saints are praising God for his righteousness, praising God that out of the temple comes these judgments because his judgments are always based on his words. And I would implore you today to consider and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ before it is forever too late for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We're grateful for the word of God. We're grateful for the testimony you've given us. I pray, Lord, today if there's someone here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, they would believe on Jesus today. I pray for those of us that sometimes get caught up in 
struggles and our own sins, that we would realize today the victory is yours. The victory is in Christ. We are overcomers. Lord, you have a history and a testimony of righteousness and reigning, a reputation that assures us that we're on the right side. So Lord, would you please help us to focus on you today, to live out the things that you've called us to do, and to be responsive to your word. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed before the Lord. Let me ask you this question. Do you know for sure if you died that you'd be on your way to heaven? Are you on that winning side that we talked about today? Do you know Christ alone as your salvation? If you do not, let me urge you right here and right now to open up your heart and welcome Jesus into your life. That is the standard. Believe on Jesus and be saved. Today you can do that. I pray you will. I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. While you're in your seat, just pray these words. Dear Jesus, talk to him just like you're talking to me. Dear Jesus, know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. But I believe in Jesus that he died and rose again today I accept you as my Lord and Savior thank you for loving me help me never to be ashamed of you friend I want to encourage you if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart I want to be the first one to say welcome to the family of God what a blessing to know that you listen to scripture today and that you open up your heart and called on the name of Jesus and I would like to know who you are so I can pray with you and I can get some resources into your hands so that you can begin this journey of following Jesus with your life so I ask you this morning is there anybody here that say preacher I want you to know this morning I just prayed that prayer. I meant it. I'm glad I did. I just accepted Jesus into my life just now. Just did that. If that's you, would you let me know who you are right now by just holding your hand up? Who, who said that, preacher? I did that. Prayed that prayer. Meant it. I'm glad that I did. I just want to, I want you to know that. I want you to pray for me. Just lift your hand right up. Lower it right back down. God bless you, man. Thank you. We'll be praying for you. Who else? I prayed that prayer. Meant it. So glad that I did. Is there anybody else like that, preacher? I did that today. We rejoice with at least this one that has done that. I want to encourage you when we dismiss to just step right back behind you to the next steps station there. They will give you some material, talk to you about your faith, help you to take those next steps towards your relationship with Christ. Let's all stand as we close in worship today. Let's, let's sing these words.